Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show features the press event held yesterday, that was Tuesday, March 30th, with opening comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Yes, thank you so much and good afternoon to everyone. Uh, I want to speak to all of you today as the county continues to make significant progress in combating this pandemic. Our case numbers, hospitalizations, and thankfully deaths have all continued to decline. And we're now reporting some of our lowest numbers since before the summer. This is all welcome news. And because of that, the state has announced that we will be eligible to move into the orange tier as soon as tomorrow. However, Dr. Ferrer will go into more detail about this. While, we're at, while we here at the county are working on finalizing those details and what that will look like, the opportunity undoubtedly is a sign of our progress. And with the orange tier comes even more opportunities to open parts of our economy that have been closed uh, and hurting for months. Because of our progress, for example, amusement parks, outdoor sports venues, and outdoor live events can start slowly coming back. Even bars can open up outdoors. After a year of fear, anxiety, and tragic loss, we're seeing glimmers of hope once more. But this didn't happen just by accident. This was because of our collective hard work. It happened because our health officials worked day in and day out to keep everybody healthy. And it happened because our businesses stayed flexible and adapted to try to stay afloat while keeping customers safe. It happened also because our residents looked out for one another and they continue to do their part to slow the spread. And it's still happening because of massive vaccination operation. Each day, tens of thousands of more county residents are getting access to these life-saving vaccines. The county is working hard to get these vaccines in arms as quickly and as equitably as possible. Whether you're an older resident driving through our large vaccination sites, or you're a food worker at a grocery store, or you're a teacher getting vaccinated at a local clinic, or you're homebound and the vaccine is coming directly to you, we have been creating as many possible routes to reach the diverse population of Los Angeles County. And this framework will be key to our success this month. As vaccines eligibility expand first to anyone over the age of 50 this Thursday on April the 1st, and then everyone over the age of 16 on April the 15th. I know that many of you have been eagerly waiting to return and to turn out to get that vaccine. I wanna thank you, first of all, for your patience and let you know that time for you to get your vaccine is almost here. And when it is here, I hope that all of you will get vaccinated as soon as you are able to. And I encourage you to share your experiences with friends, with family and loved ones who may have fear or be hesitant about getting the vaccination. Time and again, the science has shown that not only these vaccines are safe, but are nearly miraculous in their effectiveness. After a heartbreaking year, these vaccines are the key to ending the pandemic and building toward a new normal. But to get to that normal, there's still a lot of work to be done. We have to continue to work to make this vaccine roll out as equitable as possible. 
so that everybody, everybody has access, not just those with time and ability to refresh a web page continuously. And we must remember that these vaccines take time to do their work, and you aren't considered fully vaccinated until two weeks after your second Moderna or Pfizer shot or your single Johnson & Johnson shot. So while we push to get as many people as possible fully vaccinated and have the finish line of this pandemic in sight, let's make sure that we finish strong. Let's enjoy our hard-earned opportunities in the orange tier responsibly. Let's continue to wear our masks, stay physically distant, and avoid large indoor gatherings if possible. This is especially important in the coming weeks with people considering traveling for spring break or gathering for cultural celebrations like Passover and Easter. I know that we're all ready for this pandemic to be over. We're almost there. We just need to stay strong a few more months. Let's continue once again to keep one another safe and always remembering to be in service to one another. And I'm reminded that today is a special, is a special uh, occasion leading up to a very important day. And the word service is carried throughout a special holiday where we observe Cesar Chavez Day. More than anyone, Cesar Chavez understood what it meant to be in service to one another. Cesar Chavez dedicated his life to improving the lives of our most vulnerable. He fought, he organized, he empowered, all to bring recognition to the dignity of labor and to bring equity to workplaces for those that are most vulnerable. And it is, is in that spirit, that defining principle that has guided my response throughout the pandemic. And I implore each and every one of you through this pan, even though this pandemic has been long and many are ready to drop their guards, to think not only of the impacts on you, but on your actions that may impact those around you. Let us especially keep in mind those essential workers, those who did not have the option to work from home during this pandemic and came to the workplace each day, putting their health and the health of their loved ones at risk. They are the ones Cesar Chavez fought so hard for, and they have been the most vulnerable this year. They have faced increased health risks, they've lost loved ones, and they have struggled in their own financial well-being, all to keep us safe. I wanna ask everyone to keep them in mind in the coming months, and as we reopen, let's continue to be responsible and safe to protect their health and the health of everyone around us. And let us remain in service to one another through the end of the pandemic and beyond. And with that, it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Barbara. Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Solis, and good afternoon, everyone. I wanna note that we have benefited tremendously from Supervisor Solis's outstanding leadership throughout the pandemic and from having our entire board really uh, be able to take uh, positions that guided us uh, through our recovery of this uh, from this pandemic. So thank you so much for that. Uh, today, I'll be sharing updates on COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in LA County, uh, which will also include a breakdown by age groups. I'm also gonna provide an update on the newly released state tier metrics and the potential changes uh, for the health officer order uh, now that we're moving into the orange tier. I do want to start with our daily numbers, uh, which I want to note reflect the delay in reporting because of the holiday. I'll take the first slide. Uh, we're sad to report 26 additional deaths today, which brings the total number of deaths to 23,110 in LA County. Seven people who died were over the age of 80, and six people had underlying health conditions. 
Nine people who passed away were between the ages of 65 and 79, and six people had underlying health conditions in this age group. Eight people who died were between the ages of 50 and 64, and seven people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Two people who passed away were between the ages of 30 and 49, and both had underlying health conditions. As always, we extend our deepest condolences to the families and friends of everyone who's living through this tragedy. We're sending our love and our prayers during your time of grief. We're reporting 386 new cases today, which brings the total number of cases in LA County to 1,218,958. These cases include a total of 52,094 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 11,135 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. There are 649 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19 and 27% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU. We've investigated a total of almost 5,000 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, there's 105 ongoing investigations and we've closed 4,854 investigations. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 97,507, including 40,399 cases among residents and 57,112 cases among staff. To date, more than 6 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County, and our cumulative positivity rate is 19%. I'll take the next slide. Uh, this graph shows the trend lines of cases and deaths, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from, actually, this slide just shows the trend line for cases uh, by episode date uh, for LA County. This uh, slide deck uh, may be uh, the wrong slide deck. Um, I'm not really sure if you have the ability to change this. Um, I'll just keep talking, uh, but that that slide uh, obviously was was an older slide. Um, this graph shows the uh, this graph that we wanted to show had the trend lines for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from March 1st, 2020, through March 21st of 2021. Uh, as all of our metrics continue to fall, we're now seeing the daily average number of cases is fewer than 400 daily cases. And this is a 50% decrease from the number of cases at the end of February. Uh, we're also seeing great progress in terms of hospitalizations and deaths as the daily average number of hospital hospitalizations also decreased 52% since the end of February and the daily average number of deaths decreased a full 75% this past month. This is due to residents and businesses doing their part and following the safety measures. If we wish to maintain these low numbers, it will be essential that each of us not get sloppy and that we continue to follow the protocols. Wear a mask when you're in public and around others, physically distance and wash your hands frequently. I'll take the next slide. This graph uh, shows uh, the daily number of COVID-19 cases by age group. 
Uh, throughout the pandemic, people aged 30 to 49 years old, this is represented by the white line, have had the highest number of cases, and that reached a peak of 5,000 daily cases in that second week of January. But as you can see, as of March 21st, the 30 to 49-year-old age group, it's still experiencing the highest number of cases, but it's now down to about 120 daily cases of COVID-19. The second age group with the second highest, I mean, the age group with the second highest number of daily cases are our 18 to 29-year-old residents. At the peak of the surge in the second week in January, this group had more than 3,750 daily COVID-19 cases. Since then, as you can see, uh, that line has also dropped, uh, and now the daily number of cases is about uh, 100 cases. Uh, as of March 21st, people age 80 and older have had the fewest number of daily COVID-19 cases, with an average of nine new daily cases. And people age 65 to 79 are experiencing about 20 daily cases of COVID-19. Um, so uh, this uh, really, in part, is probably one of our first signs uh, of the effectiveness of the vaccine. We're just seeing uh, far fewer cases. It's always been slightly lower for these age groups, uh, but this is really a very, very small portion of new cases. We'll take the next slide. And despite, as we know, having the fewest number of daily cases, LA County residents 80 years old and older have always been hospitalized with COVID-19 at higher rates throughout the pandemic. This reached a peak of 330 daily hospitalizations during the surge in mid-January, and you can see that with the white line. Those 65 to 79 years old, represented by the green line, had the second highest number of daily hospitalizations since March of last year, reaching a peak of 200 daily hospitalizations on January 9th. Thankfully, daily hospitalizations have plummeted across all age groups over the last a couple of months, especially this last month, including those 65 to 79 and those 80 years older, 80 years and older. Uh, as of March 27th, there are actually only seven hospitalizations for residents 80 and older, and only four hospitalizations for residents 60 to 79. This decrease may also reflect increased rates of vaccination for people 65 and older. Next slide. Tragically, those most vulnerable continue to pay the price as daily numbers of deaths have consistently remained higher for people over the age of 65. During the surge in late December and early January, the 65 to 79 year old age group and the 80 plus age group experienced over 800 daily deaths, more deaths than all the other age groups uh, combined for many of the days. Thankfully, due again in part to our vaccination efforts of resident, for residents 65 and older, the daily number of deaths for the 65 to 79 age group and the 80 plus age group plummeted with a seven day average of daily deaths for both groups uh, being now close to zero. We'll take the next slide. LA County does continue making progress in administering the COVID-19 vaccine, and this is very good news. As of March 24th, the county had administered close to 4 million doses of vaccine. Uh, and this is more than 1.2 million people being fully vaccinated with their second dose. I'll take the next slide. As more doses are administered, we continue to learn more about the effectiveness of the vaccines. 
In a study that was released yesterday by the Centers for Disease Control, of about 4,000 healthcare personnel, police, firefighters, and other essential workers, the CDC found that vaccines reduced the risk of infection, both asymptomatic and symptomatic infection, by 80% after one dose, and that protection increased to 90% following the second dose. Different from the clinical trials, which are tightly controlled, uh, this, showed that the, this study showed that the vaccines are highly effective, not just preventing hospitalizations and deaths, but it showed that the vaccines are also very effective in preventing infections in real-life conditions. The findings of this study are significant, and they're providing mounting evidence that the vaccines can reduce both transmission and save lives. Next slide. As of March 27th, the county has vaccinated 71% of people ages 65 and 79 uh, with one dose of the vaccine and 62% of people over the age of 80. As we know, these age groups were prioritized because of their high risk for serious illness or death from COVID-19. The county's also vaccinated 32% of the people in the age group 50 to 64. These are people who are eligible workers or they were individuals with serious underlying medical conditions or disabilities. But this does leave us an additional 1.4 million LA County residents in this age group, 50 to 64, that will be eligible to be vaccinated beginning April 1st. And I wanna point out that we already had about 5 million people uh, that were eligible to be vaccinated in terms of workers, people 65 and older, and residents in high-risk congregate settings. But I also want to note, uh, now that we've had a chance to look at who's been vaccinated uh, with one dose here in LA County, you can see that for every age group, uh, we've made some progress in vaccinating residents. However, at the end of the day, I want to note that there's over 5 million residents, 16 and older, that still need their first dose of vaccine. Take the next slide. Uh, so we're excited and prepared to expand eligibility for the vaccine, as noted by Supervisor Solis, starting on Thursday, April 1st, for county residents 50 to 64. And then on April 15th, vaccines will become available to any resident in LA County that's 16 and older. There will be some changes made to the My Turn eligibility criteria starting tomorrow that will allow residents who are between the ages of 50 and 64 to begin to schedule their appointments. And please note that while the county received more vaccine doses this week than we have before, we don't yet have enough doses to vaccinate everyone that's eligible. So we're gonna need to ask folks to be patient while our supply continues to increase. I also wanna note that our priority does remain getting residents and workers in our hardest hit communities vaccinated. And we're redoubling our efforts to increase accessibility and availability of vaccine in communities with the highest risk and the lowest rates of vaccinations. I'll take the next slide. Uh, earlier today, uh, as many of you may have noted already, the state did update the blueprint COVID-19 metrics that assess virus transmission in each county. These metrics include the adjusted case rate, that's the number of new cases per 100,000 people, the percent of people testing positive for COVID-19 across the county, and the test positivity rate amongst people living in communities ranked in the lowest quartile 
of the California's Healthy Places Index. LA County has met the state's threshold for the less restrictive orange tier. And I wanna thank everyone for continuing to do a great job reducing community transmission, because that's what it took, everyone doing their part. Our adjusted case rate dropped from 3.7 new cases per 100,000 people to 3.1 new cases per 100,000 people in just this last week. Our seven-day average daily test positivity rate also dropped from 1.8% to 1.5%. And in the areas with the fewest health-affirming resources, LA County's test positivity rate dropped from 2.5% to 2.1%. Both of our test positivity rates actually qualify us for the yellow metric, the yellow, um, the yellow tier, which is, of course, the tier that has uh, reflects having much less community transmission. I want to announce that a revised health officer order will go in effect at 12.01 a.m. on April 5th to reflect newly permitted activities. This allows the county to follow the state guidelines and wait until we've completed three weeks in the red tier to be sure that our case numbers do not rise this third week since our earlier reopenings. A new health officer order and modified directives for businesses will be posted on Friday with an effective date of April 5th. Our teams will be available this week and throughout the weekend to provide information about upcoming changes, allowing establishments to be prepared for full compliance with the required safety modifications. I'll take the next slide. So on April 5th, assuming our case numbers don't increase, the following changes will be made to the health officer order. Bars that do not provide meals will be allowed to open outdoors with distancing, masking, and infection control safety measures. Indoor operations are not permitted for any bars. Masks are required except when people are eating and drinking. There can be no counter seating and people need to eat and drink only when they're seated. Tables must be eight feet apart with a maximum of six people from three different households at each table. There can be no live entertainment, but television viewing is permitted and the hours of operation are restricted from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Breweries, wineries, and distilleries that do not serve meals can remain open outdoors, but they can also open indoors at 25% capacity or 100 people, whichever is fewer. These establishments will follow the same public health directives as bars for their outdoor areas. However, there are additional requirements for their indoor spaces. Reservations are required for indoor seating. There's a maximum of six people per table from the same household, and there's no live entertainment or television viewing indoors. We'll take the next slide. Additional capacity changes are allowed for other sectors, always with safety modifications that include distancing, masking, and infection control. Restaurants can increase capacity for indoor dining to 50% capacity or 200 people, whichever is less with safety modifications. Card rooms can both operate outdoors as they are now, but also move back indoors at 25% capacity. There must be eight feet of distancing between tables and masks are always required. Food and beverages remain banned from card tables. Places of worship can hold services indoors at 50% capacity, again, 
with safety modifications. Fitness centers can operate indoors at 25% capacity and indoor pools can now reopen. Masks are always required unless swimming. Movie theaters will be able to increase their capacity to 50% or 200 people, whichever is less. Seats must be reserved and each group must have six feet of distance from other groups in all directions. Eating's allowed only in designated areas or in your reserved seats. Next slide. Family entertainment centers, which are permitted to be open outdoors now, can also uh, on April 5th move indoors at 25% capacity for distanced activities such as bowling or escape rooms. Masks remain required. Grocery stores can increase their capacity to 75% along with other retail stores, although we do strongly recommend that they remain at 50% capacity until April 15th to allow as many grocery store workers as possible to get vaccinated. Hair salons, barbershops, and personal care services can also increase capacity to 75% occupancy with masks required, except for services where customers need to remove their masks for a short period of time. For such services where customers must remove their face coverings, staff must wear a fitted N95 mask or a mask and a face shield. Museums, zoos, and aquariums can also increase their capacity indoors to 50% capacity with all the safety modifications. And youth and adult recreation sports can apply to DPH for approval for athletic events, tournaments, or competitions that involve more than two teams or multiple individuals. I'll take the next slide. In closing, I do want to echo the concern expressed earlier by CDC Director Walensky. COVID-19 cases are rising in 27 states, and the U.S. seven-day average saw a 10% increase in cases compared to the prior seven-day period. While LA County has yet to experience such increases, this week is critical as we're now two weeks out from when we moved into the red tier and reopened several sectors. We're also in the height of spring uh, vacations and we're in the height of many of our spring holidays. There is much to be optimistic about. LA County has administered nearly 4 million vaccine doses. Spring is here and the weather's beautiful. USC and UCLA are in the Elite Eight, and we're close to opening day for baseball. But we can't let our guard down. Another surge in LA County would be dangerous, and it would stop our recovery progress cold. We would move swiftly to introduce measures to limit transmission, and these measures would have us stepping backwards. So please do what you know always works. Keep yourself, your loved ones, and essential workers safe by following all of the rules when you're at a business, retail, or food establishment. Wear masks, avoid crowds, and wash your hands. Stay home when you're sick and get tested for the virus if you had COVID-19 symptoms. Please avoid recreational travel outside of our county. And know that if you do travel, you're required to self-quarantine when you return to LA County from any other state or any other country for 10 full days. When it's your turn, make that appointment to get vaccinated. Thank you, and now I'll take your questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please raise your hand using the hand icon or send the host a chat with your name and outlet to be placed in queue. 
As a courtesy to other reporters and to allow for ample time for questions, we ask that you please limit yourselves to one to two questions per reporter. One moment, please, for our first question. Our first question will come from the line of Patrick Healy. Patrick, your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Hi, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, two questions for you. Number one, uh, City of LA has already opened vaccinations for the 50 to 64 group. Um, are they going rogue or are they doing that with the with the county's blessing? And the bigger question, uh, can you explain to us what's going on with the tiers here? It looks like the state ignored its own rule for three weeks. And so the county is going to have to go ahead and do that for the state. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Patrick. Um, I didn't realize that the, the city had already opened for 50 to 64 year olds. I'm assuming, uh, you know, they feel like they've got capacity and they want to start uh, being able to offer those vaccines. I, I don't really call it going rogue at this point. Um, you know, we, we are, you know, a very, very big county. We've still got a lot of folks uh, with underlying health conditions uh, and disabilities that are trying to get in and get vaccinated. For us, many of our appointments are, were already made for, uh, for the, a good part of this week. Uh, but we too on Thursday across the county will be opening up uh, for eligibility to people 50 to 64. And, and I'm excited about that opportunity, as I know are so many of our residents. In terms of uh, the tiers, um, you know, uh, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a little puzzled as well. Um, I think uh, there was an adjustment that was made kind of midweek when we moved into the red tier. And that might explain, in fact, why there's a little bit of puzzlement about uh, when, when we really should be moving into the orange tier. But as you noted, and as I stated, there is a good reason for us to remain in a tier for three weeks before accelerating into a less restrictive tier, because we need this third week uh, to make sure that we're not seeing an increase in cases. Remember, this still is a virus that has a very long incubation period. So this week becomes critical. You know, I am hopeful. Uh, I look around, I see lots of people following the rules. So I'm very hopeful that this week uh, will not have us uh, stepping backwards and, and seeing that increase in cases. But uh, the reason for waiting the three weeks was a sound reason. It was based on a lot of science. And, uh, and again, we want to be well prepared for the transition uh, to the orange tier. And that will happen in a few days uh, on April 5th. So thanks for your questions. We'll take the next, uh, the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Claudia Pashuda. Claudia, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, sorry, it was a flood of information on the changes that are coming. So can you walk me through whether the county is being uh, more restrictive than the state in some of these orange tier changes? And if so, why? Um, and then um, you, you touched on this, but if you can talk a little bit about like, you know, the the fact that we haven't yet uh, like seen the full effect of the March 15th reopenings and yet we're proceeding with new reopenings and in the midst of all these holidays that are happening, um, you know, uh, why, why not wait a little bit longer? Why proceed on Monday? Thank you. Yeah, th thanks so much, Claudia. Um, and, and again, you know, I want to just start by noting you know, how remarkable our numbers are, in fact, and, and how much we've made a huge, um, a huge step in the right direction. And, and it wasn't a miracle. It didn't just happen. There was a lot of hard work. 
And, and whenever you see uh, numbers as low as ours, you do know that, in fact, we're knocking down significantly community transmission. Uh, and I do think if we can hold these numbers, um, it is the right opportunity to start moving slowly and carefully uh, along our recovery journey. And I think that's what you'll see. You know, our effort is, you know, let's let's stay here the three weeks in, in red. Let's make sure we're watching our case numbers this week. And let's also give everybody, every uh, every single business, uh, the opportunity uh, to get prepared for the changes that we're going to be making uh, when we uh, reopen again for some additional activities uh, next Monday. Um, I also want to note that, as always, uh, we look very carefully uh, with sector partners and with our board at what makes sense for L.A. County. And actually, the state wants every county to, in fact, do this. Uh, that's why the state is very clear that oftentimes there's a, a broad framework for the state, but then counties really look, need to look at their unique circumstances uh, when they make decisions uh, based, you know, in this case, we're, we're talking about decisions on reopenings. Uh, and so you're absolutely right. Uh, while in general we are following the state's framework for Orange, we have, in fact, uh, added some additional safety modifications to some sectors that are newly reopening. And in particular, we've noted that since there still is a need for people to be physically distanced when they're at any establishments, it doesn't make sense to say retail goes back to 100% capacity because at 100% capacity, you'd be hard pressed to do six feet of distancing. And six feet of distancing is still what we need to do uh, for the next few weeks. Um, so you're going to see some changes that we've made in terms of safety modifications. While the general framework about you know, moving forward with reopenings, our bars will in fact be able to open outdoors they too will, will have some safety modifications. Tables will be eight feet apart. And similar to how we open breweries, wineries, and distilleries uh, back in the middle of March, we'll do the same very deliberate uh, sort of uh, sequencing of opening up our bars. So they will have some limited hours and they will need to make sure that in fact uh, people are seated at all times when they're eating and drinking. I think these are sensible and Again, it is always a, an effort to balance our need to move forward on our recovery journey, which thankfully we're able to do because our numbers uh, really indicate much less community transmission. Uh, but we want to protect ourselves and make sure that we don't do anything with haste or not carefully um, because we really can't afford uh, to see our case numbers still go back up. So thanks for that. Uh, we'll take the next question. Our next question comes from the line of Luke Money. Luke, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Ferrer. Thanks, as always, for uh, taking the time to answer our questions. Uh, two for you uh, today. Uh, first, I wanted to clarify, you had mentioned some potential changes coming to the My Turn scheduling system. I think you said tomorrow that would allow uh, those in the 50 to 64 age group to start I guess it would be pre-scheduling their appointments then um, since they'd be eligible starting on the 1st. Uh, do you know um, if that sort of pre-scheduling will also be available when the state moves to universal adult eligibility later in the month? Um, also, Dr. Simon had told us on Friday that the county had gotten some kind of look ahead in terms of what its vaccine allotments may be like in the next couple of weeks, but he didn't uh, 
seemed to want to share the numbers that he had at that point because he didn't want to uh, promise something that he wasn't exactly sure about. I just want to know if that's anything that you can share or if you can give us any kind of window into uh, whether we're going to continue to see the kind of boon of vaccines that uh, the federal level officials seem to think. Thank you so much. Yeah, both great questions. So I, I think for those of you who have ever gone and looked at my turn, you know, if you've tried to make an appointment, uh, one of the first things you have to do is you have to determine you, you have to determine which eligible group you fall in in order to make an appointment. So right now, if you go on, there's no eligible group uh, that you can sort of click on if you're between the ages of 50 and 64. Now, tomorrow, we want to make sure that you're right for appointments that start on Thursday, uh, that people 50 to 64 would be able to go in, click that they are, in fact, now going to be eligible on Thursday, and then go ahead and start scheduling those appointments. So that's why the change will happen a little before uh, we actually are able to offer those appointments on Thursday. But it allows people to start making appointments at some point tomorrow. But the first thing you need to do is change the screen on eligibility. And yes, this is a state-run system. Uh, so what I would assume is that the state will make a similar change uh, before April 15th, uh, at least a day in front of that, so that, again, people who now will be 16 to 50 uh, will be able to go ahead and, and, and make uh, those appointments through the MyTurn system. There are lots of other uh, still appointment platforms that are being used, uh, and they, too, will make this adjustment so that, as you noted, starting on Thursday, which is April 1st, people in the newly eligible group of 50 to 64-year-olds should be able to start finding appointments uh, across the entire county system. Again, they'll be limited uh, for the next few weeks because we still have uh, limited doses, which gets to your second question. Did we get an actual number uh, for LA County? And we haven't really received a number for LA County. Uh, what I think the federal government is trying to do is, is give some accurate predictions on the federal supply um, and then the state is trying to use that to make some assumptions about what can we expect at the county level. But there's still a few ifs there that uh, need to get sorted out before we're going to be able to give a number uh, to everybody who's working in L.A. County and vaccinating so that we can be very planful about the next three weeks. Some of it is um, we need to figure out what doses uh, the federal government is going to be allocating directly to the pharmacy, the retail pharmacy partners, the FEMA sites, um, and the federally qualified health centers that they directly allocate to. And then there's a question of the state allocations that go to the multi-county entities as well. Um, so I think we're getting close to assuming uh, that we're not going to go much lower than where we are this week. Uh, we're hoping that it stays steady for the next three weeks at 350,000 doses. Um, and then we have those additional doses that come directly from the federal government to some of the sites in L.A. County. Uh, but that's our assumption, but we haven't gotten a firm number yet. So thanks for that. And we'll take the next question. The next question comes from the line of Josh Pascal. Josh, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Yes, thanks, Dr. Ferrer. Following up on the my turn question, when will you be able to make appointments a week or two in advance. And also, uh, Dr. Ferrer, last week you said how what happens on the East Coast tends to eventually make its way here. So what is different this time around? Why are we not just behind New York, for example? And how confident are you we won't follow those 27 states this time around? 
Yeah, so let me go to my turn first, and then, you know, what's a little bit different uh, this time uh, in terms of, you know, us following uh, what's going on on the East Coast or, you know, our, the certainty that we always follow what goes on on the East Coast. So in terms of my turn, you know, it, it's it's absolutely essential, you're right, uh, that we start having capacity to build out appointments uh, more than one week in, in advance, particularly as we're start trying to open up on April 15th. And we know that, you know, it, it's one thing not to get an appointment for one week, but it, it's really, uh, you know, creates a lot of anxiety for people if uh, they can't at least have the security. I didn't get an appointment this week, but I have an appointment two weeks from now. So we too would like to have that capacity in my turn. I think a lot of it depends on having just more certainty about what the numbers are and being able to still, you know, the most important thing is still guarantee those second dose appointments. Um, but I, we are hopeful that by the time we get to April 15th, we're opening up and, and every site is really has more certainty in what their allocations are going to be so that they can, in fact, uh, appropriately calibrate the number of appointments that they can open at least, uh, you know, for the next uh, for the subsequent two weeks. Um, in terms of the, the last question, I, I think it's a really important question. You know, what might be different this time, uh, why we might not uh, follow what's going on on the East Coast, or if we are going to follow what's going on in the East Coast, how, how can we better prepare ourselves? Because, you know, there's no certainty. I, I can't say uh, with any degree of certainty what exactly is going to happen here uh, over the next couple of weeks. We got a lot of travelers. And every time we've had a lot of travelers here in L.A. County, uh, we've had problems. Um, so we, we don't even have to look at what's going on on the East Coast. We can just look at what, what went on here over Thanksgiving and the winter holidays to know we have problems when lots of people are traveling. Um, there are a couple of things that are different. Um, one is that we have uh, among the people at highest risk for serious illness and death, we have a lot of extra protection with the vaccines. So when I say 67% of people 65 and older have been vaccinated with at least one dose, and then we have a study coming out of CDC that says that even at one dose, uh, there, there may be 80%, they may be uh, protected uh, to the rate of 80% against uh, becoming infected. That's a good extra layer of protection. Uh, and that will help us. I mean, for sure, it will help us, you know, hopefully, even if we saw this increase in cases uh, that we're seeing in other parts of the country, uh, because we've had a good number of people vaccinated in the highest risk groups, hopefully that does offer us some protection against uh, ever getting back to a situation where we've overwhelmed our healthcare system, uh, which would be something we have to avoid at, at all costs. Uh, we do, however, know that, you know, we want to avoid anybody uh, getting ill and anybody transmitting because the variants are circulating. Um, so, so we do have that risk, and that's why we're moving slower uh, than some might like on transitioning to the orange tier, and that's why we're moving uh, with a fair amount of caution on introducing some additional safety modifications for the first few weeks that we are in orange, uh, because we want to do everything we can uh, to protect ourselves uh, and not have uh, what really, if you look at sort of history, has been six weeks later, uh, whatever we saw in New York City now becomes what we're experiencing in L.A. County. I don't think it's inevitable, uh, but we'd have to work really, really hard uh, for that not to be part of our story, particularly with all of the people that have been traveling. I mean, that is the Achilles heel right now. So many people have been traveling. 
Um, and uh, if those people come back and they fail to do that 10-day self-quarantine, uh, we're going to be in trouble. Uh, and we're going to have more spread uh, than we really ought to have. Uh, and it could set us back on that recovery journey. We'll take the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Mary Stringini. Mary, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Pereira. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I saw that the state will be allowing outdoor music venues to reopen with limited capacity. Is that something LA County is considering? I didn't notice it on any of your slides. Oh, yeah. No, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, outdoor live, it's it's called outdoor live, live uh, venues, outdoor live entertainment, outdoor live sporting events. All as of April 1st will be allowed. Anything from April 1st to April 5th needs to adhere to the restrictions for us being in the red tier, which really is about capacity. Uh, that means that at those sites, the capacity is limited to 20%. Uh, once we get uh, to April 5th, the capacity at those venues will move up to 33%. Uh, again, by Friday, we'll have issued the county's guidance, which will really follow very closely the state's guidance on uh, the safety protocols that need to be in place at all of these venues. But this does include, for example, the larger venues, Dodger Stadium, uh, and it does include some of the smaller venues uh, that are outdoors. It is only for outdoor venues, so I want to be clear that live entertainment, but outdoors only. And there's a host of protocols and limits on capacity uh, at those venues. But yes, we are aligning with the state fully on that. Great, thank you. Thank you. Take the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Stephanie Dazio. Stephanie, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Wow, I really thought that I was closer to the top there. <laughs> um, wanted to know, uh, a CDC official um, spoke on TV yesterday, the day before, made a comment, vaccinated people do not carry the virus, they don't get sick. You've talked about how much more protected they are. Um, do you believe what this official is saying? Uh, are we acting as if it, it's true or not true? Um, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's great to it's great to have the CDC study out. You know, uh, that was an MWR uh, study that you know an uh, MWWR study that got released yesterday. That really, again, is. Uh, is really impressive evidence um, that uh, we have now that people who are vaccinated have a lot of protection against becoming infected. But remember, uh, it was at 90%. Um, so that means 10% of people who get vaccinated will in fact uh, become, can in fact become infected. And it's still not clear if they become infected, if they can in fact transmit the virus. But we'd have to assume right now that they might be able to. 10% a lot, you know, if you if you think about millions and millions of people. So um, I, I'm feeling much more confident that this vaccine is 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 really extraordinarily powerful, not just at what we what we really needed, which is preventing people from ending up hospitalized and preventing people from dying, but also what's really helpful is preventing transmission because people are much less likely to get infected if they're vaccinated. But when you have some people who are still getting infected, uh, I would not say, you know, like, oh, you know, we're all fine if we're vaccinated. I would say, you know what, if you're vaccinated, you still got to take some pretty significant precautions when you're around people who aren't vaccinated and you're in the general public. And you're going to do that um, 
because that's how we're going to take care of each other until the vast majority of people have, in fact, been vaccinated. And then that 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 risk really uh, becomes uh, much less, even with 10 percent, um, because we've had so many people vaccinated. So, yes, I'm, I'm going to say we still need to wear our masks. Uh, we still need to avoid crowds. We still need to wash our hands. And uh, and I think most public health uh, folks are saying the same exact thing. Thank you. And is the county preparing for, you know, potentially the next round of do booster doses? They're talking, it still hasn't been determined exactly how long the vaccine lasts. Are you already making plans for the infrastructure and how to do this? Sure, of course. I mean, it's a great question. And of, of course, we we are making plans. I mean, one of, one of the plans uh, really right now is to start using, you know, May, June, and, and July to getting private practitioners uh, enrolled in the vaccine program. Uh, because if there's going to be boosters, you know, this will, and, and boosters really, it could be like an annual booster, a booster you get every two years. But if there are going to be boosters, one of the easiest ways to do that is similar to how we do flu vaccines, which is we rely very heavily on all of our, uh, on all of our practitioners to be able to offer vaccines uh, to, their, to their patients. And, and then we, as public health, work with some of our providers to offer some additional community-based opportunities for people uh, to get immunized. And, and that will be the strategy uh, that is sustainable over a long period of time. And we really need to think about this over a long period of time. Uh, we have a, a very accomplished and well-developed network of, of providers here in the county. Uh, we also have Many, you know, the vast majority of our residents are really uh, linked to what we call a medical home. So we're going to be working with all of our providers to make sure that they're enrolled, they can be vaccinators. And then when we have both a lot more supply, but also if we do move into needing boosters or annual or uh, every two year uh, vaccinations, that we'll have that sort of really baked into our healthcare system. So. But thanks for that question. We'll take the next question. Thank you. Thank we you. have time for one last question, and that question will come from the line of Maria Tellez. Maria, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Thank you so much, and it's Marla. And uh, Dr. Pereira, thank you as always. I'm going to follow up with my colleague, Mary, who asked you about if you're aligning with the state when it comes to those outdoor venues, the stadiums, for instance. So does that mean then that that's 33% capacity? and also 25% capacity for theme parks. Just want to make sure that those numbers are oh, correct. Yes. Once, okay. we, once, once we get to April 5th, uh, that's exactly what it will be. Um, now, remember, uh, in the state's guidelines, you still do have to uh, maintain that seven, that six feet uh, distancing uh, between households. So that may in fact, you know, change the configurations at some of the sites so that they can maintain that six feet of distance all the way around. Uh, but yes, we're, we're fully adopting uh, the state's uh, protocols there. I mean, there's some areas where we've been working uh, with some of our venues just because we need to uh, be more, more uh, to clarify uh, exactly how uh, some, of these, um, uh, some of these guidances will be implemented at particularly at the larger sites. So, but yeah, it's gonna be the, the capacity limits are gonna be the capacity limits established by the state, but I want to note that the state requires a six feet of distancing uh, between uh, households at all live events. 
um, be those sporting events or or entertainment music events. So, but thanks for that. I hope that I hope that clarifies, Marla. That will go in effect on um, on April 5th. On April 1st, uh, because we'll be in the red tier, those venues can also still open on April 1st. They just would have to adhere to the reduced capacity limits uh, in the red tier. 15% at amusement parks and 20% uh, for live events. Thank you, Dr. Ferrer. And now we'll transition to remarks in Spanish with Elizabeth Banagasco. She will begin with providing Spanish remarks on behalf, on behalf of Chair Solis's office and then transition to remarks in Spanish for public health. Elizabeth, please go ahead. Thank you. Um, muy buenas tardes, en nombre de la doctora Hilda Solís, presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Los Ángeles, le daré el informe de hoy. El condado continúa haciendo un progreso significativo en la lucha contra esta pandemia. Nuestro número de casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos han seguido disminuyendo y estamos reportando algunos de nuestros números más bajos desde antes del verano. Esto es una noticia bastante optimista. Y debido a, a esta buena noticia, el Estado ha anunciado que seremos elegibles para pasar al nivel naranja tan pronto como el, el día de mañana. Mientras que estamos trabajando para finalizar los detalles, esta oportunidad es sin duda un señal de nuestro progreso. Debido a nuestro progreso, los parques como Six Flags, estadios de deportes y los eventos en vivo al aire libre están abiertos y pueden abrir al público. Incluso los bares pueden comenzar a abrirse al aire libre también. Después de un año de ansiedad, estamos viendo destellos de esperanza una vez más. Cada día, decenas de miles de personas de nuestro condado angelino tienen acceso a las vacunas que no solo protegen, pero también salvan vidas. El condado está trabajando duro para que estas vacunas estén disponibles de la manera más rápida, justa y equitativa posible. Hemos eh, estado creando tantas eh, formas de cómo llegar a, diversa, a diversas poblaciones de lo, del condado de Los Ángeles y este marco será significativo este mes, ya que la elegibilidad de las vacunas se expande primero a cualquier persona mayor de 50 años este jueves, el primero de abril, y luego pasaremos a las personas de 16 años a partir del 15 de abril. Sabemos que muchos de ustedes han estado esperando su turno para recibir la vacuna contra el COVID-19. Queremos agradecerle por su paciencia y hacerles saber que casi ha llegado el momento. Y cuando ya esté aquí ese momento, esperamos que se vacunen tanto, tan pronto como puedan. Y también les animamos a que compartan su experiencia sobre el proceso de vacunación con sus amistades, familiares o seres queridos. Después de un doloroso año, estas vacunas son la clave para poner en fin a esta pandemia y avanzar hacia nuestra nueva normalidad. Pero para llegar a la normalidad aún todavía queda mucho trabajo por hacer. 
Debemos recordar que estas vacunas necesitan tiempo para su proceso y no se considera que estén completamente vacunados hasta dos semanas después de la segunda inyección de Moderna o Pfizer o con una sola dosis de Johnson Johnson. Sigamos usando nuestras mascarillas, practicando la distancia física y por favor evitemos grandes reuniones. Esto es especialmente importante en las próximas semanas ya que las familias están considerando viajar, algunas de ellas durante las vacaciones de primavera o reunirse para el día de Pascua. Sabemos que to todos estamos listos para que esta pandemia termine. Ya casi estamos allí. Solo necesitamos mantenernos fuertes durante unos meses más. Ahora, ayer sabemos que estamos conscientes del peso adicional que tiene la palabra servicio esta semana que celebrábamos el día de César Chávez. Más que nadie, sabemos que César Chávez entendió lo que significaba estar al servicio de los demás y al servicio de su comunidad. César Chávez dedicó su vida a mejorar la vida de nuestros más vulnerables. Luchó y se organizó para lograr el reconocimiento de la dignidad del trabajo, la justa igualdad en los, seres, en los lugares de trabajo perdón, de los más vulnerables. Y ese espíritu es el que ha guiado a nuestra respuesta a lo largo de esta pandemia. Les pedimos, por favor, a cada uno de ustedes, aunque esta pandemia sea larga y muchos están listos para bajar la guardia, que piensen no solo en los impactos en ustedes, sino también las acciones que pueden afectar a otros. Tengamos especialmente en cuenta nuestros trabajadores esenciales, lo que, los que nos tuvieron no tuvieron, perdón, la, la opción de trabajar desde casa durante la, la pandemia, como muchos de nosotros lo hicimos. Ha, han enfrentado mayores riesgos para la salud, han perdido a sus seres queridos y han luchado por su propio bienestar financiero. Todo para mantenernos a salvo el resto de nuestra población. Queremos pedirle a todos que los dones y fallecimientos en el condado de Los Ángeles que incluirá un desglose por grupos de edad, también daremos una actualización reciente publicada para los indicadores a nivel estatal y los posibles cambios en la orden del oficial de salud para el nivel naranja. Comenzaremos con nuestros números diarios. Nos entristece informar 26 fallecimientos adicionales hoy, esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 23,110 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy estamos reportando 380 nuevos casos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1,218,958. Actualmente hay 649 personas hospitalizadas con COVID-19 y el 27% de las personas que están hospitalizadas están en las unidades de cuidados intensivos. Hasta la fecha se han realizado 6 millones de, de pruebas a personas en el condado de Los Ángeles y la tasa de positividad acumulada es del 19%. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra 
las líneas de tendencia de casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos desde el primero de marzo hasta el 21 de marzo del 2021. Todos nuestros indicadores continúan en descensos con el número promedio diario de casos ahora menos de 400 casos, una disminución de 50% con respecto al número de casos a finales de febrero. También estamos viendo un gran progreso en términos de hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos, ya que el promedio diario de hospitalizaciones disminuyó a 52% desde fines de febrero y el promedio diario de fallecimiento disminuyó al 75% en el último mes. Esto se debe a que toda la población y los negocios han hecho su parte y siguen las medidas de seguridad. Si deseamos mantener un número tan bajo, es fundamental que sigamos los protocolos, usemos las mascarillas cuando estemos en público y alrededor de otras personas y nos alejemos físicamente y también nos lavemos los, las manos con frecuencia. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el número diario de casos del COVID-19 por, por grupos de edad a lo largo de la pandemia a, a las personas de 30 a 49 años. La línea blanca tuvieron la, el mayor número de casos alcanzando un pico de 5,000 casos diarios en la segunda semana de enero. Al 21 de marzo, el grupo de edad de 30 a 49 años está experimentando 120 casos diarios del, del COVID-19. El grupo de edad con el segundo número de casos diarios es del 18 a, 28 años, a 29 años. Perdón. El pico del aumento en la segunda semana de enero, este grupo tenía más de 3,750 casos diarios del COVID. Desde entonces, el número de casos diarios ha reducido a 100 casos. A partir del 21 de marzo, las personas de 80 años o más eh, tienen la menor cantidad de casos diarios del COVID con solo 9 y las personas de 65 a 79 años experimentan unos 20 casos diarios del COVID-19. Next slide, please. A pesar de tener la mayor cantidad de casos diarios, la población del condado de Los Ángeles de 80 años o más ha sido hospitalizada con COVID-19 en tasas más altas durante la pandemia, alcanzando un pico de 330 hospitalizaciones diarias durante el aumento a medida de enero en la línea blanca. Los de 65 a 79 años, la línea verde, tuvieron un segundo número de hospitalizaciones diarias desde marzo del año pasado, alcanzando un pico de 200 hospitalizaciones diarias el 9 de enero. Afortunadamente, las hospitalizaciones diarias han disminuido en todos los grupos de edad durante los últimos dos meses incluidos los de 65 a 79 años y los de 80 años o más, que están en mayor riesgo de morir por causas del COVID. Al 27 de marzo, solo hay siete hospitalizaciones para personas de 80 años o más 
y solo cuatro para la población de 65 a 79. Esta disminución también puede reflejar un aumento de las tasas de vacunación para las personas de 65 años o más. Next slide, please. Trágicamente, en los más vulnerables son los que pagan el precio, ya que el número diario de fallecimientos ha sido consistentemente alto para los mayores de 65 años. Durante el aumento repentino, a fines de diciembre y a principios de enero, el grupo de edad de 65 a 79 años y el grupo de 80 o más han experimentado cada uno alrededor de 100 fallecimientos diarios, más muertes que los otros grupos de edad combinados. Afortunadamente, debido nuevamente en parte a nuestros esfuerzos de vacunación para la población de 65 años o más, el número de fallecimientos para el grupo de 65 a 79 años y el grupo de 80 y más se desplomó con el promedio de 7 días de fallecimientos diarios, ambos grupos de edad desde cercano a cero edad. Next slide, please. El condado de Los Ángeles continúa avanzando la administración de las dosis de las vacunas. Hasta el 24 de marzo, el condado ha administrado cerca de 4 millones de dosis de vacunas y más de 1.232.348 han recibido la segunda dosis. Next slide, please. A medida que se administran más dosis, continuamos aprendiendo más sobre la efectividad de las vacunas. En este estudio publicado ayer de alrededor 4,000 miembros del personal de atención médica, policías, bomberos y otros trabajadores esenciales, los Centros para el Control y la Prevención de Enfermedades, encontraron las vacunas que redujeron el riesgo de las infecciones, tanto infecciones asintomáticas como sintomáticas, en un 80% después de una dosis y que la protección aumentó a un 90% de la segunda dosis. A diferencia de los ensayos clínicos que están estrictamente controlados y han demostrado que las vacunas son altamente para prevenir hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos, este estudio muestra cuán efectivas son las vacunas para prevenir infecciones en condiciones de situaciones de la vida real. Los resultados en este estudio son significativos y proporcionan evidencias de que las vacunas pueden reducir la transmisión y salvar vidas. Next slide, please. Thank you. Hasta el 27 de mayo, el condado ha vacunado 71% de las vacunas de 65 a 79 años y el 62% de personas mayores de 80 años. Estos grupos de edad fueron priorizados de, debido a, que, a su alto riesgo de enfermedad grave o, por, o muerte por causa del COVID-19. El condado también ha vacunado el 32% de las personas de 50 a 64 años que eran trabajadores elegibles o, por, o personas con problemas graves y delicados de salud o discapacidades, lo que deja 1.4 millones perdón, de personas adicionales 
En el Condado de Los Ángeles, este es un grupo de edad que será elegible para ser vacunados a partir del primero de abril. En total hay casi 5.5 millones de la población angelina de 16 o más años que deben vacunarse. Next slide, please. El Condado de Los Ángeles está preparando una amplia eh, red de elegibilidad para la vacuna a partir del primero de abril para las personas del condado de 50 a 64 años. Además, el 15 de abril las personas están disponibles para eh, la elegibilidad de cualquier persona en el condado de Los Ángeles que tenga 16 años o más para la vacuna. Se realizarán cambios en los criterios de elegibilidad de MyTurn a partir de mañana para permitir que las personas comiencen a programar sus citas. Tenga en cuenta que aunque el condado recibió más dosis de vacunas esta semana, todavía no hay suficiente dosis para vacunar a todos los que son elegibles, por lo que debemos pedirle a toda la población que tengan paciencia hasta que aumente el suministro. Nuestra prioridad es seguir haciendo vacunar a la población y los trabajadores de las comunidades más afectadas redoblaremos los esfuerzos para aumentar la accesibilidad y la disponibilidad de la vacuna en las comunidades con mayores riesgos y menor tasa de vacunación. Next slide, please. Hoy temprano el estado actualizó la tabla de los indicadores del COVID-19 que evalúan la transmisión del virus en cada condado. Estos indicadores incluyen la tasa de casos ajustadas, es decir, la cantidad de casos nuevos por cada 100,000 personas, el porcentaje de personas que dan positivo por causa del COVID y la tasa de positividad de la prueba entre las personas que viven en comunidades clasificadas en el, cuartil, en el índice del cuartil más bajo de los lugares de California, los lugares saludables de California, perdón. El condado de Los Ángeles ha alcanzado un umbral estatal para el nivel naranja menos restrictivo y agradecemos a todos por continuar haciendo un gran trabajo para reducir la transmisión comunitaria. Nuestra tasa de casos ajustada se redujo de 3.7 casos nuevos por cada 100,000 personas a 3.1 casos nuevos por cada 100,000 personas. Nuestra tasa de positividad de la prueba diaria promedio de 7 días se redujo de 1.8% a 1.5%. Y las áreas con menor eh, cantidad de recursos de, de, de índice de lugares saludables más bajo, eh, la tasa de 2.5 disminuyó a 2.1%. Una de las órdenes de, las, de los oficiales de salud ya completamente revisadas entrará en vigor a partir de las 12 a.m. De, eh, del 5 de abril para reflejar las nuevas actividades permitidas. Esto le permitirá al condado seguir las pautas estatales y esperar hasta que contemplemos 
tres semanas en el nivel rojo para asegurarse de que nuestros números de casos no aumenten esta tercera semana de nuestras reaperturas anteriores. Una nueva orden de los oficiales de salud y directivas uh, modificadas para los negocios se publicará el viernes con eh, una fecha de vigor del 5 de abril. Nuestro e equipo estará disponible esta semana y no es, en, durante el fin de semana para brindar la información sobre los cambios que le permitirá a muchos establecimientos estar preparados para el cumplimiento total de modificaciones de seguridad. Next slide, please. El 5 de abril, suponiendo que nuestro número de casos no aumente, se realizarán las, los siguientes cambios en la orden oficial, del oficial de salud. Se permitirá que los bares que no proporcionan servicio de alimentos abran al aire libre, con medidas de seguridad de distanciamiento, uso de mascarilla y control de infecciones. No se permitirán operaciones en espacios interiores. Se requiere el uso de mascarillas en todo momento, excepto cuando las personas deben de comer o beber. No puede haber asientos en el mostrador y las personas pueden comer o tampoco pueden comer y beber dentro de esa área y deben permanecer sentadas. Las mesas deben estar separadas por ocho pies con un máximo de seis personas hasta tres hogares diferentes. No se permite el entre, entretenimiento en vivo, sin embargo, la, la televisión está permitida y el horario de atención al público es de once y media de la mañana a 10 p.m. Las cervecerías y las bodegas y destilerías que no tienen servicio de comida para el público pueden permanecer abiertas al aire libre y tienen también eh, que pueden abrir a espacios interiores de un 25% de capacidad, es decir, un mínimo de 100 personas. Estos establecimientos seguirán las mismas directivas de salud pública que se han reglamentado a los bares para sus áreas al aire libre. Sin embargo, existen requisitos adicionales para que los espacios interiores se requieran reservaciones para los asientos en el interior y a un máximo de seis personas por mesa y debe ser del mismo hogar. Y no se permite entretenimiento en vivo ni tampoco los televisores encendidos en los espacios interiores. Next slide, please. Se permiten los cambios adicionales de capacidad para otros sectores siempre cuando se modifican, eh, hay modificaciones de seguridad que incluyen distanciamiento uh, físico, uso de mascarillas y control de infecciones. Los restaurantes pueden aumentar la capacidad para los espacios interiores al 50% de su capacidad o un número más o menos de 200 personas con modificaciones. Las salas de carta que operan en espacios interiores tienen una capacidad del 25%. Deben haber 8 pies de distancia y se requiere el uso de la mascarilla y los alimentos y bebidas siguen estando prohibidos en las mesas de juego. Las iglesias o centros religiosos 
o de adoración, ahora pueden hacer sus eh, servicios en espacios interiores al 50% de su capacidad. Los gimnasios pueden funcionar en espacios interiores con una capacidad del 25% y las piscinas en espacios interiores pueden volver a reabrir a sus servicios. Pero se requiere el uso de mascarilla en todo momento en el gimnasio y de la única forma que no la usa es cuando está nadando. Los cines pueden aumentar la capacidad al 50% o un número menor de 200 personas. Los asientos deben reservarse y cada grupo debe tener seis pies de distancia de otros grupos en todas las direcciones. No se permite comer en las áreas designadas o en sus se permite, perdón, comer en las áreas designadas, pero no alrededor de otros asientos. Next slide, please. Los centros de entretenimiento para la familia pueden abrirse en espacios interiores de un 25% de su capacidad para actividades a distancia, como por ejemplo los centros de boliche o salas de entretenimiento. El uso de mascarillas es requerido a todo momento. Las tiendas de comestible pueden aumentar la capacidad del 75%, aunque recomendamos encarecidamente que se mantenga el 50% de capacidad hasta el 15 de abril para permitir que se vacunen tantos otros trabajadores como sea posible. Los salones de belleza, barberías y servicios de cuidado personal pueden aumentar su capacidad máxima al 75% de ocupación. Se requiere el uso de las mascarillas. El personal debe usar una mascarilla quirúrgica N95 o un protector facial con una mascarilla. Los museos, zoológicos y acuarios pueden operar en servicios de espacios interiores al 50% de su capacidad. Y los deportes recreativos para jóvenes y adultos pueden solicitar la aprobación del Departamento de Salud Pública para eventos deportivos, torneos o competencias deportivas que involucran a más de dos equipos o varias personas. Next slide, please. Para terminar, queremos hacer eco de la preocupación expresada ayer por el director del Centro de Control y Prevención de Enfermedades, conocido en inglés como el CDC, Valensky. Los casos del COVID-19 están aumentando el 27% del país y el promedio de 7 días en los Estados Unidos. Esto experimentó un aumento del 10% en comparación de periodos anteriores de 7 días. Si bien el condado de Los Ángeles aún no ha experimentado tales aumentos, esta semana será crítica, ya que ahora faltan dos semanas desde que pasamos al nivel rojo y reabrimos varios sectores. Hay mucho del por qué sentirnos optimistas. El condado de Los Ángeles ha administrado casi 4 millones de dosis de las vacunas la la, y la primavera está aquí. Nuestro clima es hermoso. La Universidad del Sur de California, USC, y la Universidad UCLA están en la élite 8, élite 8 de, de este año juntos por primera vez y estamos cerca de inaugurar el béisbol. 
Sin embargo, no podemos bajar la guardia. Otra oleada aquí sería peligrosa y detendría el progreso hacia el viaje a nuestra recuperación. Actuaríamos rápidamente para volver a implementar las medidas para limitar la transmisión y estas medidas nos harán retroceder. Por favor, tome conciencia. Entonces, haga lo que sabemos para que esto funcione. Mantenga seguro, manténgase seguro y sobre todo mantenga seguro a sus seres queridos, a los trabajadores esenciales, siguiendo todas las reglas cuando se encuentra en un negocio, un, un negocio minorista o en establecimientos de alimento. Use su mascarilla, evite las multitudes y lávese las manos con frecuencia. Quédese en casa cuando esté enfermo y hágase la prueba del virus si tiene síntomas. Evite los viajes y sepa que si viaja debe ponerse en cuarentena cuando regrese al condado de Los Ángeles durante 10 días. Y cuando sea su turno, por favor, programe su cita y vacúnese. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you, and that concludes our press conference for today. Thank you, everyone. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.